Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Welcome everyone. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Hope everybody had a lovely Thanksgiving weekend. A lot of people are either, they are like they went back to, to campuses or they went, you know, out of town, but it's nice to have everyone back. <clears throat> We're going to start a new two-week series, just um, as, you know, the rest of the season is going to be kind of, we're going to have some, some weeks off because of New Year's and Christmas Day and stuff like that. So we're going to do a two-week series on two characters in <clears throat> the New Testament, in the story of, of, of Christmas and the Incarnation, and that is Saint Simon, the elder, and, that, and Anna the prophetess that you read about in Luke chapter 2. Um, I personally haven't heard any sermon on it myself, so um, I had the, the blessing of being able to study this. We call Simeon the God Receiver, and you might know the story from the 12th hour that we read in the Akbeya, where we have Simon took the child up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting the servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, like to bring revelation to the Gentiles. I mean, no. It's not there. Okay, hold on. It's not saying salary. Okay. And so we're going to, talk, like I said, we're going to talk about Simon and Anna. We're going to try to understand who is, is Simeon. The, the PowerPoint is going to show in just a second. Simeon has to be one of the greatest waiters and receivers of God in the whole Bible. And we're going to understand why. And this concept of, we, we, we did a whole series on waiting on God. And now what we're doing in this Advent fast is that we are fasting that we might receive Christ. Now, some of you might be fasting to overcome a certain temptation or to grow in a certain virtue, and all that is great. But really what we believe is that we want to gain Christ, and when I have Christ, the virtues and the fruit of all that comes out pretty, pretty naturally. Sorry, the... It's still not showing. When we pray in the 12th hour, why do we pray this gospel? And I'm explaining it right now. Why do we pray this gospel in the 12th hour? What is it about the, the 12th hour and the end of our day that we say, we say this prayer as Simeon says, Lord, now you're letting, letting your servant. You guys can go back to the first slide. This is like slide yeah, right there. Lord, now you're letting a servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And here we have, we want to understand who is Simeon. Simeon was an elder. He was one of 70 scholars in the time um, that that in the time of Isaiah, actually, where he had gone to Alexandria and he was scribing and, and translating the, the Old Testament into Greek. You know, in the Orthodox Church, we read the Septuagint, the most accurate version of the Old Testament, is the Greek translation, the Septuagint. Even you find in the New Testament, the apostles quote Old Testament. You find it. They're quoting 
from the Septuagint. So if you want to know what's the most accurate version of why we, uh, what we read in the Old Testament, it's we read the Septuagint. So he spent his, his life transcribing or translating the, the Old Testament into Greek. He lived for 360 years. You're like, what? Could you imagine, like, whoever's, like, his family's, like, throwing his birthday party every year. They're like, okay, <laughs> like, this has to end sooner or later. 360 years, and I'll tell you why. What happened was, is that St. Simeon, as he was translating the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7, 14, it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive in the womb and shall bring forth a son. So imagine you are translating a book and you saw this, what would you say? Imagine you're translating, you're just a guy in the time of Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive in the womb and shall bring forth a son. If you were translating, what would you say? Something's wrong here. So he actually was going to change the word virgin to woman. And as he began to transcribe the word woman, he was going to remove the word virgin, an angel came and held his hand and said, do not write that word, keep it as it is, it should be virgin. And the angel told him, and the Lord is telling you that you will see the fulfillment of this thing. So he's lived for 360 years waiting to see the fulfillment of a virgin who gives birth to the son and his name shall be called Emmanuel. His name will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so Simeon went, sorry, I clicked on the wrong thing. Can you guys reset the seller Mac Mini in the back? Try to reset it so that maybe it shows up. And so Simeon here is trying to remove the word virgin. Let's look at the passage that we read in the book of Luke in the gospel. It says this. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting, Lord, now you're letting a servant depart in peace. Click in the back. It's not working. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles in the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Why do we read this in the 12th hour of the Iqbal? We are telling God at the end of our day, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared for the light of all peoples. I'm telling God that I am seeking your salvation. I want to depart in peace. That we always, in the Orthodox Church, we consider that the end of our day is the end of our life. St. Anthony used to live by this concept that he would say, I die daily. That every day I live my life as if today is the last day. So when I say goodnight to God and to the world, it's as if it's my last day on, on, on the world. And so this man, he lived 360 years, okay, 
when he heard this prophecy, the Lord told him, you are going to see the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 714. So I want you to imagine how amazing this person is, is that he's wake, waiting year after year, minute after minute. Simeon's whole life appears in its later years to have been under the direction of the Spirit of God. So God told him 360 years before this took place, told him, you're going to see Christ. You're going to see this happen, this virgin give birth to a son. So I want you to imagine, I tell you something amazing like this. You're going to see it. One year goes by. Two years go by. Isaiah dies. Micah dies. Zephaniah dies. Zechariah. Everybody's dying. All, all the prophets have come and have prophecies, and they're all dying. Malachi dies. Everybody dies, and all of a sudden, Simeon is like, okay, what is he doing during these 360 years? What is he doing during these 360 years of waiting? You see, God had put a desire in his heart to see God. And I want to kind of pause here. We're going to talk about this, is that what we have to understand is that Simeon had a very sensitive spirit to the prompting of God. The Holy Spirit was speaking to him, and he was waiting every day, and the Holy Spirit was starting to speak to his heart little by little. For 360 years, do you think God just left him? What do you guys think? God told him, you're going to see this sign. And then for 360 years, he's just like waiting every day. You know, he plays taula with his wife. And like, like, he's just like hoping that one day, sooner or later, this thing is going to happen. He was waking up every day, waiting, saying, I want to see God. How many of you have that spirit? How many of you wake up every morning and say, Lord, I want to see you? It is my greatest desire to see you and to meet you. For hundreds of years, he did this, seeking God himself. And this is what the incarnation is, is that when we celebrate nativity, we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating that Christ would come and we would behold him on our own. Then I have a question. Thinking that Simeon was so excited to see God, it's very inspiring that he would wait 300 years for this. He's waiting year after year, waking up, seeking, praying, fasting. God knows what he's doing in order that he would see the fulfillment of this prophecy, that he would meet God. God is telling him, behold, a, a virgin shall give birth to a son and his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. There's going to be a person that's going to come to this world. and He's seeking him. You're saying that is so inspiring that he would do that expecting that he's going to see something. I have a question. Is that how you are? How is it that you seek God's salvation? That you seek see, seeing God? I'm not going to wait up for 300 years for God to like reveal himself. I'm going to move on with my life. I'm going to do my thing. Lord, anytime you want to chime in and come in and knock on my door and tell me that you're here, okay, but I'm going to go move on with my life. But here we're going to see how the Holy Spirit began to speak. How was it that he sought? His name is Simeon, and the name Simeon means to hear intelligently. Okay? To hear intelligently. What does that mean? I have very, very, uh, um, a, a lot of practice listening to God in fear 
half-heartedly, like I don't always want to hear what God has to say about certain things. How many of you guys are like that? How many of you guys have some things where you don't really want to know what God has to say about certain things, about your job, about the way you file your taxes, about, you know, like how you're going to spend your money this Christmas. You don't really care. God, you stay there, I'll stay here. But Simeon was actively, intelligently listening. He was deliberately listening to God's Spirit. That's why it says that he was like moved by the Spirit to come into the temple. And he said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask you guys, when do you feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your heart? When do you feel like the Holy Spirit pushing on the buttons of your heart and you responding? And you responding to that. It's really, really important to see how the leadership of the Holy Spirit was in his life. First thing is it says, sorry, the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Isn't it amazing that this man, mind you, the Jews, most of them did not know God. You know in the time when John the Baptist had come? When John the Baptist had come, Israel was totally dead. Spiritually dead. The worship was corrupt. Like nobody cared for the temple. It was just, everything was darkness, darkness, darkness. But the Holy Spirit came and found rest in Simeon. You know why? Because Simeon is seeking. If you want God to find rest in your life, if you want God to say, that's it, I found rest in Mary or in Johnny or in Mikey or in whoever it is, that I found rest with this person, because this person is really seeking me. Imagine that God would look to you and find rest in you. What would it take for God to find rest in you? Isn't this amazing? That the Holy Spirit came upon him and found rest in Simeon and no one else. You guys know that the Jews now are still waiting for the Messiah. Okay? For the next, till the end of the world, they're waiting for the Messiah that came 2,000 years ago. Like they're not going to see him. And God knows how actively they're waiting. But God saw Simeon was really seeking. This one really wants God. This one really wants, you're going to see why. We're going to kind of show the, the, the details of that. It says what? It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. God was showing him things. This is something that I want us to understand. What we're seeing here is not just Simeon. This is supposed to be your daily walk. That when God has found rest on me, that he found that, you know what, Abuna Paul is just seeking me every day. His life is for me. His thoughts are for me. His energy is for me. His gifts are for me. His money is for me. His time is for me. Everything's for me. I'm going to stay with the Buddha Paul. I want to be with this person. He loves me. He has it figured out. I'm going to stay with him. And then, because Abuna Paul is waiting or seeking actively, God is going to begin to reveal things by the Holy Spirit. If you look at the passage, it says in the very beginning, it said, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. When was the last time you felt like God revealed something to you? And in what state of mind is he going to reveal? 
in the hustle bustle, spend hours on my social media before I go to sleep, in the going from soccer practices to work to making dinner to going hang out with my friends to late night studies to go to Asheya, to go to the Bible study, to go shopping, to go Christmas shopping, to put up the Christmas tree. Is the Holy Spirit going to reveal anything in that type of life? You see, I would imagine that Simeon had this stillness in his life. And as he would still be still, God would lighten things in his, before his eyes. God was revealing. God was telling him, you're going to see. You're going to see and it's coming. Okay, Lord, it's been 65 years since you said that. Abraham waited, Abraham waited 25 years. And you're like, wow, Abraham is a martyr. Abraham waited 25 years for the fulfillment of Isaac to be born. This man waited 300 years, 65 years, 100 years. It's like, okay, I'm 175 now. I wonder when it's coming. I'm 185. I'm 220. I'm 280. I'm 295. I'm 310. I'm 340. You're like, 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 what are you doing, man? Like, I think I would just say, I'm done. Okay. We're good. I'm going to jump off a cliff. I'll see you soon. 360 years old, like cafe, like, but there's something that keeps him going in that waiting. What keeps him going in that waiting is the revelation. Revelation is meant to be for God's people, which is why we see him. Christ came and was born and became man. It doesn't get like clearer than that, right? He came to earth. He walked in us. He had our flesh. He lived among us. He spoke to us. He did miracles in front of our eyes. There's no clearer revelation so if god wants to reveal he's going to reveal in a very clear way you guys get me he's not going to come to the world and take flesh and be born and live on this earth for 33 years okay unless it is his greatest desire to reveal to you and i love that it says in luke in Luke here we see it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I want to ask you, something must have kept him going for hundreds of years. You see, there is an enjoyment in meeting Christ face to face in prayer. I believe that he was looking forward as he was meeting God in his worship life, that he was like, if there's going to be one day where we can meet. You ever see like two people who are in love, they're in a long distance relationship, they're FaceTiming, maybe some people like before, you know, when we were engaged, we, there was no FaceTime, there was no like cell phones back in Flintstone ages, okay? Like, like you're in a long distance relationship, the anticipation of in four months, we're going to get to go and see each other. It's going to be the greatest, I cannot wait. We've been talking on the phone, we've been writing letters, we've been sending gifts, but when that day comes and we can see each other face to face will be the greatest day of my life. I believe that was the heart of Simeon. My fear is, is that we're going around this world in this rat race, distracted with things, and the devil's putting all kinds of distractions. And as soon as you come up for air, he throws you another distraction. And you and me being the suckers, we look and say, what, what, what? And he throws me another distraction. All of a sudden, things calm down, and God is like, all right, sit down. I'm going to show you something in your life. And I get there, and then bzz, my phone. 
And then, oh, this person has an emergency. And then the kids are fighting downstairs. And then this kid has to go to practice. And Guys, God wants to reveal to you what is it that you're seeking? What is it that you're listening to God's Spirit for? How are you listening? Is it like, are you listening to see, am I going to get a raise? Am I listening to see if I'm going to get that job? Or um, if, if, this, if I'm going to get into my grad school? Is that what I'm listening for? What are you listening for for God? And in the grand scheme of things, does it matter? Does it matter? Okay, I am waiting for my raise. And every day I'm on my knees because I know it's Christmas time and God is supposed to send me a bonus so I can put the pool in the backyard. This is, this is like the, what I'm waiting for. And you're seeking actively to get the Christmas bonus or to get the, the letter from the grad school. And that's great. But what more should you be seeking? I'm asking you because Simeon was seeking Christ. I just want Christ. All I want in this world is Christ. And there are many people, and I was speaking about this morning, that in the, in the first liturgy, that if you have Christ, you have anything. If you look to the saints in the church who have left everything, but yet they had what? Everything. Like, I don't get it, St. Anthony. Why would you move to just rocks and sand for God knows how many years? For what? It's just to gain everything. I don't see anything. I just see a bunch of sand and birds and cactuses. Like, yani eat. And St. Anthony would say, you'll never know until you do it. Do you want to see God? Are you hungry to see God? And you say, no, I'm fine. I just look, just give me the rays, give me the things. I'm going to do my little rat race and one day I'll die and that's it. Are you hungry to see God? Number one, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Second thing is the Holy Spirit revealed to him. Third thing is, he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Holy Spirit moved him. He didn't move stubbornly. You know, the more sensitive you become, the more in tune you are with God through consistent, regular worship and prayer, there are certain, like, like little noises that you know and you're like, that's God. That's God. That's God calling me. That's God speaking to me. You know, when you're baptized in the Orthodox Church, the tradition of the church, even from the early churches, that we anoint with something called the simple oil. There's three different oils that we baptize with. The first one is called the simple oil. And that simple oil is that the eyes of your heart would be opened. Not the physical eyes. There's many people that have physical eyes and they can't see. They can't see God. They don't know the difference between good and bad, darkness and light. God and the devil, they don't know the difference. They're just going through the motions. And so what we do is we take this child and we anoint them with something called the simple oil. That the inner man inside of this child, that their senses of the inside would open up and know when God is pushing them and saying, son, go here and serve. Offer forgiveness. Take this step. Do this, do that. And every one of us have been given the potential to be able to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is saying, go here. Don't do this. You say, Buna, what are you talking about? You're talking Chinese. You know why? The Bible says the love of the world. When somebody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It blinds you and numbs your heart. The world is numbing your heart. 
Do not love the world nor the things which are in the world. Do not love the world because the things in the world are making your heart so cold that, you know, like, like sometimes like I'll be like in the kitchen, it's like a tight area, and like, you know, I'll tap my son, you know, excuse me, like I'm carrying like a hot tray. And like, he doesn't move. And I'm like, screw over. Like, I'm coming through the... And like, I literally have to like, okay, then I'm like, he's moving stubbornly. He doesn't move easy. Like, like you see the hot tray coming through? Like, like, I should just, you should just see me coming and you just move out of the way. But he's moving stubbornly. All of us are moving sometimes stubbornly. God is like, and you don't hear anything. He's like, what is that? And God is knocking and he's speaking and he's trying to, and voila, we're not there. We move stubbornly. Is God trying to knock on your heart and do something in your life, but you're not moving? Here it says, he, God knows how it ha happened. So God had revealed to him in the past that he would see the Lord's Christ. It says, he came by the Spirit into the temple. Something said, hey, go to the temple today. Okay. He went to the temple. And we know that he got there before St. Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And he's waiting, looking at the curtains and looking at the verses on the wall. He's waiting. Man, about 300 years waiting. <laughs> God knows what this movement, this movement is going to like, come out to be. It's been 300 years since I've you know, got this last movement. Okay. He's waiting. And all of a sudden, St. Mary and Joseph the carpenter and baby Jesus walk in. He's like, that's it. This is the one. I found Jesus. When the Spirit moves a soul, when the Spirit moves you and says, I'm trying to show you myself, you're not moving. I'm like giving you a little nudge. Don't make me like push you too hard because you don't want to move. If you're seeking, the Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with your whole heart. In Jeremiah 29, 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. How are you searching? Are you listening? Are you intelligently listening for those voices of the Holy Spirit? You said, you see, in order to be able to do this, you have to be willing even to take the hard messages from God. Sometimes God, God gives messages. You're driving on a nice smooth road, and he says, okay, I want you to go off-roading. But I don't want to go off-roading. It's bumpy. It's dirty. It's dusty. It's not comfortable. Let's just stay on the smooth road. And that's exactly what he did with the Israelites in the wilderness. The Israelites could have been from from where they were as slaves with, with Pharaoh to the promised land, it says they could have taken an 11-day journey. Okay, let's assume they're Middle Eastern. Let's give them 15 days, 20 days. Not 40 years. But God is taking them because he's trying to show them things. He's trying to reveal. He says, I want you to see the manna. I want you to see the fire. I want you to see the cloud. I want you to see water come out of a rock. I want you to know me, and I'm trying to lead you. Could you imagine if they just went from, like, Pharaoh slaves, whatever, just jumped over a bridge, and they found themselves in the promised land. Ta-da! Congratulations, guys. This is your new place. Do you think that would have been a, a magical story? 
Would the Israelites have known their God? Would they have loved their God? Would they have held on to their God? You see, God is trying to lead you to see the path that you are not letting God like nudge you to. He's like turning the steering wheel and you're moving it the other way. You're not going to see. He's saying, just follow my lead. Follow my lead. And I promise you, what does St. Paul teach us? He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You see, Simeon was being led by God. Who's leading you in your life? Be honest. Who's leading you in your life? Who calls the shots in your life? Me? My flesh? My, like, the picture of life that I'm trying to, I'm trying to fulfill? That's leading me, right? The money, the image, the friendships. The, that's leading me. So I follow that, and that's where I go. There's money here, that's where I go. There's money there, that's where I go. There's money there, that's where I go. Right? But is the Holy Spirit leading you? I remember it, my, my, when I was living in Kenya, the, the, the Bishop of Kenya, he would have like malaria. Literally, he'd have malaria. And uh, we decided we were going to go to, you know, drive to Tanzania, and it's like 9 p.m. He's like so sick. He's shivering in bed. We're not going to Tanzania next day. Five o'clock in the morning. You're still sleeping? We're going to Tanzania. We're supposed to be on the road. I'm like, hey, Sayyid, like, why are you up? You have malaria. Why are we even thinking about going to Tanzania? He was up at four o'clock in the morning as usual with his Bible and the Word of God being led by the Spirit of God. When we went to Tanzania, it was as if God was trying to save the mission in Tanzania that day. Malaria, flu, broken legs, whatever. I'm going to Tanzania. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God told me. And when we got there, God did miracles to save the mission in another country, like another one of our countries. You have to be seeking God every single day and early in the morning. St. Isaac the Syrian teaches about this concept of like, in the midnight, God speaks. And if you ever try it, now that we're a fast, maybe if you have some time off, wake up one time in the middle of the night. 2 p.m., or sorry, 2 a.m., wake up, roll out of bed, sit with your Bible, and go back to sleep. Just 20 minutes. If the heavens don't open up, then I didn't say so. Okay? I guarantee there's a mystery in seeking. There's a mystery in seeking God. And I'm saying this not to go through a Bible study or a PowerPoint. Forget that. There's a mystery in seeking God. Let's get to what he says. It says, He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What's the consolation of Israel? The Israelites were waiting for their deliverer. They're waiting for the Messiah. So he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. So what kept him going is I believe that my God is going to deliver our people. He's waiting for the consolation. This was the heart of a true Israelite that is waiting and trusting that God is going to bring comfort to his people. He's eager, looking forward. And the same applies to your life as well. You have to understand, every Jewish person was waiting for what Simeon did. From Adam and Eve all the way to Simeon, everybody was waiting for the Messiah. 
the whole Old Testament was, was consummated and fulfilled in this one person that received Jesus in his arms. I'm going to talk about what that means. But he was waiting. Why for Jesus to see a cute little baby and say, God loves me? No. You see, his heart was after the things that were on God's heart. His heart began to change and say, God, you don't want these people to perish. You're going to give comfort to Israel. You're going to comfort your people. Like it says in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, comfort my people. Yes, comfort my people. God wants to comfort you. So he's saying, Lord, I'm waiting. You're going to comfort your people. The servant of God also looks and says, my child that is suffering or going through whatever, God, you want to comfort my people. And that's what I'm waiting for. You want to comfort your child. You want to comfort my, my, my tired wife. You want to comfort my, my, my mom that is broken. You want to comfort my neighbor who, who can't find life. That is what I'm waiting for, Lord. You promised that you're the, the deliverer. And so that's why he got to see. What are you waiting for? The consolation of Israel means the comfort of Israel. All right. What does he say? He says, Lord... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. The word Lord was only used in the New Testament like this four or five times. The guy, the, the, Simeon called God the Lord. The word Lord means like ruler. Like the word in, in Greek is despotis, okay, or a despot or a ruler. He's saying the ruler is the absolute owner of a man who has no rights against the owner and is a slave. When he said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace, you know what he's saying? He's saying, God, you are the master. I am the slave. You decide what you want in my life. How many of you call God Lord? See, Lord is like, maybe we don't understand it. We use it as like a very endearing, it seems like, like everybody in Arabic, Ya Rab, right? It's a very warm word. Lord means master. It means ruler, ruler over my life. See, he came before God and he told God that you have the right to command and I have the duty to obey. And that's why he was able to see God. How many of you have told God, what you say, Lord, I will follow? You tell me to, to make this sacrifice, I will do it. You tell me to serve you in this way, I will do it. You tell me to lay my life down, I will do it. Is, if he's the, the despotis, he's the ruler, can I like give and take? Ah, I don't want to today, Lord. Can the slaves in, under a, a, a king come to the king? And the king says, okay, everybody's going to go and farm the land. And somebody can say, ah, sorry, I'm not doing that today. Like our kids will do that, but not like, no way. So he's coming before God. And he's saying, Lord, you have the right over my life. Lord, after he had seen Jesus, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. We should have the same. We should have the same in our mind. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. Forget that part. It says, Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Now pay attention. Even denying the Lord who what? Bought them. Do you know that you were purchased? What type of humans are purchased? What type of humans are purchased? Slaves. And you might say, okay, so God is like a slave driver? No. We are bond servants. Bond servants mean we surrender our hands and we say, Lord, we are all yours. When he called God Lord, 
for 300 years, he was telling God, you want me to stay 300 years? You want me to follow you? You want me to serve? You want me to sacrifice? I'm not going to argue. Do you have that? Because what gave him the right to hold Jesus in his arms is this ability to say, Lord, and I am your servant. Then what does he say? Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. You see, I think a lot of people think that he is like making a petition. He's actually saying, all right, Lord, I understand. I've fulfilled now. I've seen Christ. I've held him in my hands. He says, dismiss me now because I've had everything satisfied in my life. Everything has been satisfied. He went away in peace because he was satisfied and blessed. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. I'm going to die. What do you mean depart in peace? He says, because everything I was seeking in my life is Christ. What are you seeking in your life? Are you seeking Christ? You're seeking peace? If you're seeking peace, you have to seek Christ. If you're seeking peace, which everybody is, you have to be seeking Christ. I have all this turmoil and anxiety and whatever. Maybe I'm not seeking Christ. I'm seeking Christ to do things for me. But I'm not seeking Christ as the, as, as, the, as the present. He's the end all be all of everything. He says, now, Lord, just send me away. Relieve me of my post of doing this. Last thing. His faith took on a personal dimension. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. You know, John the Beloved, he talks about in his epistle. As he's writing, he says, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we have heard, which we have handled, like he's saying, we, we held Jesus with our hands. That I declare to you that you may have fellowship with us and that we may have fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine. I told you I went to Egypt and I sat with Pope Tuadros and I gave him a hug and we ate dinner together and we stayed up drinking tea at night and I said and it was the greatest fellowship in the world and I sold you on this most amazing experience. And then I say, and I declare that to you that you also might have fellowship with me and Pope Tuadros. You're like, I can have that same experience? Yeah. How can I have a personal experience, not the idea of God up in the sky who I just will follow because he has a nice word and very deep like reflections in his Bible. I need to see him with my eyes. We talk about this a lot in our church. You need to have an encounter with Jesus. I've held him with my hands. You say, tell me about it. If I tell you, you won't understand until you experience it yourself. I've held him with my hands. Have you? Have you seen God with your eyes and said, I saw him with my eyes. I heard him with my ears. I've handled him. And now St. John is inviting you to that same deep fellowship. Do you have it? You say, you know, like, no, I like enjoy reading the Bible. I love the hymns at church. You know, I love the coffee and hearing the sermons. It's really nice. No. He's saying that which we have seen with our eyes, which we have handled. We've held him. We've held Jesus with our hands. I'm declaring it to you so that you could have the same fellowship. You're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It has to become personal. You need an encounter with Jesus. We talked about listening intelligently, listening actively for his voice. His promptings or his voice, when I become in tune with his word, 
he doesn't have to push too hard. He just turns the steering wheel and I follow. He reveals, he opens my eyes and I experience. My eyes have seen your salvation. And then he told St. Mary and Joseph, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You know what he's saying? This child is going to be destined for the fall and rising of many. He's saying those who are fallen will be able to rise. Simon is telling the world. This boy that came, he's telling St. Mary and Joseph, this boy, anyone who has fallen is going to be able to rise again. Rise in confidence knowing that I'm loved by God. Know that I'm restored and that I'm healed and that I'm washed, that he loves me. This child okay, is for the fall and rising of many in Israel. May we be able to see him with our eyes. May we have that peace. May we follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. May he reveal himself to me regularly. May he find rest in me. And may I always be able to say that I've handled him with my eyes. Last point, St. John Chrysostom says, so when I was talking about John the Beloved and when he talks about fellowship with God, the next thing he talks about is fellowship with your brother. He says, if anyone, says he hate, if anyone hates his brother and says he loves God, he's a liar. You cannot have fellowship with God unless you have love for your brother. Be careful. You want to do an all-night prayer, but you don't have love for your brother? You don't know God. You've never had fellowship. It's a lie. So with others, St. John Chrysostom goes even further. He says, if you have not seen Christ in the beggar on the street, you will never see him in the chalice on the altar. If you have not seen Christ, this is how we hold them with our hands. You see Christ in each other. And when you don't love, you don't know Christ. And you will never see Christ. You want to see Christ? Get out of your shell. Stop being self-focused. Serve others. Give to others. Show love to others. Lift others up. Make them feel encouraged. Make them feel like they have value. Do that and I promise you, you will see Christ. If you see Christ and the beggar on the street, then you'll be able to see him in the chalice on the altar. And glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.